highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. They too were mesmerized about who this man was. They went to arrest him and their jaws are hitting the ground. They're drawing flies. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming Indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God Oh powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. The scripture says some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. The arrest was unsuccessful. But it wasn't because the arresting officers were incompetent. It was because the time wasn't right yet, and it was impossible for Jesus to be stopped until it was right in the Father's timing. These officers of the temple had heard many rabbis teach, but they never heard someone speak like Jesus. They were so impressed by the message of Jesus that they found it impossible to do their assigned work of arresting and silencing him. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 7 of the Gospel of John. Have you taken it in? When we take communion, that's what we do. We take the the very elements that signify that symbolically are of his body and his blood. And we take it deep within us. We, 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 I mean, it couldn't be any deeper. We, we swallow it, and it goes in the middle of us. And we agree that he is the Christ. If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. So in this final day, this most solemn day, Jesus offered himself as the, the key to salvation. He is the everlasting stream in our hearts. And he who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Doesn't that speak of spiritual contentment and satisfaction? If you have the peace with God, you will have the peace of God. But if you, are, if you don't have peace with God, it's because of your, it's your own fault. It's because you've lived a life of rebellion. And believe me, I remember the day when I gave my heart to Christ, when I asked him to forgive me for every foul and deviant, wicked, twisted thing that I've ever done in my life, and I confessed it to him on my knees privately in a room. I remember the very day, and I slept like a baby that night. And I've slept like a baby ever since then. Have peace with God. And how are you going to have peace with God? Through Christ. He is the reason, and then you'll have the peace of God. Have you found that Jesus is the rest that you've always wanted? Have you found that his yoke is easy and his burden to be light? Have you experienced that for yourself? 
Is your search over or are you still searching? Are you still searching for something out there that can satisfy that, that God-shaped hole that only he can fill? It's a, it's a Jesus-shaped hole, and yet we try to stuff everything else through it. A job, a, a relationship, money, success, whatever it is. We try to fit all that into this hole that just doesn't seem to fit. And then once you find him, then everything else gets put in perspective. And wow, life is a blessing. Yes, it is a blessing. Life didn't really begin for me until I gave my heart to Christ. Up until that, toy, up until that time, I was just a slave. I was a slave shackled to Satan. It's true. And so were you. <laughs> right? We were all shackled. And the moment you give your heart to Christ, the key is unlocked, and all of a sudden you don't, you, I'm free. I'm free. Don't you love freedom? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I believe that those who believed in the Messiah prior to Jesus' death and his resurrection were saved by grace through faith, just like we are. The Old Testament saints, they were looking forward to Jesus Christ. They believed through faith in the Messiah. And so they were saved by faith, many of them. Not all of them, but many of them. And we today are saved by faith too. We're saved by grace through faith. We believe in Jesus. But I noticed this thing, it says where it says the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. You know, there, um, you remember in the upper room the day after, I got some scriptures here, I'll just bring them up here, but I'm just going to summarize them for the sake of time. In John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22, Jesus, remember the, the very evening of that Sunday morning when he rose from the grave. That very evening, he met his disciples in the upper room. The door's locked, and he appeared He appeared when the door was locked. So he just appeared before them, and he breathed on them, and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. We believe that it's at that, that moment that the believers, that the disciples were born again, meaning that the Spirit of God indwelt them. Were they saved before then? Yes. They believed in Jesus, but now they had something really unique. Because Jesus was glorified, because he was crucified and resurrected, it was because of that that now the Spirit of God was going to have this new relationship with us where he would indwell the believer. Didn't Jesus tell his disciples? He says in John 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, a paraclete, so to speak, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And this is the very night of the Last Supper. Jesus told them, the Spirit of God is going to be in you pretty soon, guys. Hours from now, when I come back, when I show up in that upper room that night of my resurrection, I'm going to breathe on you and you're going to receive the Spirit. And the believers were indwelt with the Spirit of God. And it also speaks, the Holy Spirit wasn't given until Jesus was glorified, after he was glorified. So not only do they have the indwelling of the Spirit, those who believe in Christ now, just like you and I, but also what happened 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came upon them, came upon them. Doesn't it tell us that? In Acts, 
He says, you shall receive Jesus speaking in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 7. He said to them, it is not, uh, actually verse 8, excuse me, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. The Spirit of God will come upon the believers, empowering them for what? Just to give them a, a good feeling, to make them feel good about them? No, the Spirit of God came upon them in boldness to give them power and strength. That was one of the hardest times in the, in the history of the church in the first century. They were vagabonds. They, they were hunted by the Romans. But it wasn't until after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection... That very night of his resurrection, he breathed into his disciples, and they received the Spirit of God and dwelt them. And you and I, when we receive Christ, ask him into your heart. Same thing that happened to them in the upper room can happen to us, and has happened to hopefully all of us. Receive him into your heart. And what he has done with inside will start to manifest itself out. It'll take time, but you just let it happen. It's sort of like a flower that grows. When you plant it in the ground, you can't see anything. But as it's watered, as we continue to grow, as we continue to read the Word of God, as we continue to pray, what happens? It starts to germinate. And that thing, that beauty that's inside of you, the very Spirit of God, starts to manifest itself in your life in very tangible, very physical ways. Can I get a hallelujah? So I'm feeling a little Baptist this morning. <laughs> yes. Verse 40, they said, Therefore the crowd says, when they, when they heard this saying, they said, This is truly the prophet. He's speaking of the prophet that would come. The Old Testament told us about this prophet. In Deuteronomy 18, The Lord God will raise you up a prophet like from me, from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice. He goes in verse 17 and he says, And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet, capital P, for us to understand that that prophet that was to come was to be Jesus. So as we, as we read here, is this truly the prophet? Yes, it is. It told us that back in Deuteronomy 18. Yes, that is the prophet that was to come. Others said, this is the Christ. Yes, it's true. You're getting warmer and warmer. <laughs> you're, you're, fine. you're getting it. He is the Christos. He is the Messiah. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? You remember... That time in, in Matthew, chapter 16, it was Jesus speaking to his disciples in the northern part of Israel in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus said this. He says, who do, this, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I love that. He gives the answer right in his question. Who do people say that I am, the Son of Man? Who, 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 what do they say of me? They say you're the Son of Man. Good. <laughs> right, But I, I love it. So they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? He brings it right down close and personal. Who do you say that I am? I don't care about what they say. You guys know me the best. You've been with me for almost three years now. What do you say? After all that you've seen, what do you say? And then Peter answered and says, you are the Christ, you are the Christos, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God, meaning you are one with God, you are God in the flesh. That's what they meant. Let me ask you this morning, who is Jesus to you? Who is he? 
They were still figuring it out here in the first century. People are still trying to figure it out now because they don't read this. But having read this, hopefully all of you, at least once, keep reading it over and over. Believe me, it's a living book. It's not like those Harlequin novels that you buy for five cents at the garage sale. You can read that in a day and it's like, gone. Ah, not this. (laughs) This is a living word, right? You can read this every single day and it's going to hit you in ways you never thought possible. And you're like, how did, wow. (laughs) That's the beauty of the word of God, right? But who is Jesus to you? Is he the man upstairs? I hate that phrase. It's so irreverent. Yeah, the man upstairs. He's the man upstairs. Did the man upstairs get you off your drugs and alcohol? Who is Jesus to you? Is he just the one who delivered you from your adultery and your sexual sin? Is he a talisman? Is he a rabbit's foot that you hope to save your marriage? And once he does, have you glorified him and given him your heart? Or did you say thank you very much and went about your merry way, forgetting all about him now that he's gotten you out of the mess, that you said, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. Lord, just get me through this. Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord and Savior? Notice, I didn't say Savior and Laura, but is he Lord and Savior? Do you know that over 120 times in the Bible, it says, Lord Jesus. Over 550 times, the Bible says, Lord God. 82 times, the Bible says, Lord Jesus Christ. It never says, Savior and Lord. You won't find it in the Bible. But Lord and Savior, yes. Why? The, 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 the difference is very clear. If he's Lord of your life, then you can have every confidence that he's your Savior. But if you're just saying, well, I want him to be my Savior, but I want to kind of do what I want to do, and then I'll see you at the end of my life. Well, you can do that if you'd like. You could be saved and continue to him, for him not to be the Lord of your life, but you're going to be the one of the most miserable Christians on the planet. And you're going to be missing out on so much if that is your attitude, right? He needs to be Lord first and then Savior. Because if he's just your Savior, but not the Lord of your life, you're not going to have any real conviction. You're not going to have any real assurance that he's going to really be your Savior either because you're living like hell. You get my point? Because that's possible, isn't it? He can be, I can be saved, but I can say, I want to continue in my rebellion and my sin. And, and, and God's going to convict you of it. And you're going to be miserable, There's nothing worse than a miserable Christian. A miserable Christian is really difficult to be around. At least the unbeliever, he's happy in his sin. At least he thinks he is. But a Christian who is continuing in rebellion, oh my goodness, what a hard person to be around. And what turmoil. And it's not necessary, is it? It's not necessary. Come to Jesus. Is he the Lord of your life? Who is Jesus to you? Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? Yeah, well, he did. In Isaiah chapter 9, what does it say? We read this earlier. By the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Yes. Will the Christ come out of Galilee? It's not where he was born, but he did come out of Galilee as well, didn't he? He did. Has not the scripture, verse 42, said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? These people are on it. They know. Yes, he was. You can read Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 through 17. 
And it talks about his lineage, that he would go from Abraham to David and from David down to Christ. The, the, the lineage is right there. The genealogy is very clear there. And also Micah 5.2, we've already referenced that. And Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, which we don't have time to get into. So there was a division among the people because of him, and now some of them wanted to take him, but no one dared lay hands on him. And then the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. They too were mesmerized about who this man was. They went to arrest him, and their jaws are hitting the ground. They're drawing flies. Their jaws are hitting the ground. Who is this? I've never heard anybody speak like this. Where did this guy come from? The Pharisees answered them, they said to them, Are you also deceived? Are you also deceived? Have any of the Pharisees believed in him? In other words... You are not able to think for yourselves. Follow us. Believe what we want you to believe. Yes, the first century thought police. Kind of sounds like the mainstream media, doesn't it? But the crowd that does not know the law is accursed, they said. And then Nicodemus, this wonderful man who did come to Christ, we find out about that earlier, He came to Jesus by night, being one of them. He said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? And here, Nicodemus is doing the right thing because the law said that whenever there was something, a situation like this, they were to talk with him and and get to the bottom of things. That's always a good thing to do, isn't it? Rather than just presume and suppose that you've got a demon, they'll just kill you. No, you've got to go through, there's a process. Aren't you glad for the process that we have in America? slowly decaying, but at least there is still a process to some extent. You can look at that in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, but, but it's in the law. They were supposed to hear the case. And so finally they answered and said to him, are you also from you know, ridiculing Nicodemus, this really great man? I love Nicodemus because he was among the, the Sanhedrin. He was among the Pharisees. And yet his heart was open enough to say, you know what? I studied the Bible, just uh, the Old Testament scriptures, just as much as the rest of you. But you know what? There's something about this guy. The scriptures are true. Can't you see it? And now he becomes an enemy of his own group. <laughs> they say to him, Does, are you also from Galilee? Search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee, which is not true, by the way. Jonah, the Old Testament prophet, he was from Gath-Hefer, around Galilee, and also Elijah. He was of Thisbe, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they rose out of Galilee. But notice their open hostility. Being self-righteous, they were willing to break their own law because of their hatred of Jesus. And everyone went to his own house. So who is Jesus? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Who was Jesus to you? He saved my soul. He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved me when I was involved in sin and, quite frankly, enjoyed it. Isn't it a mystery how God reached you? Many of you, hopefully all of you, have come to Christ. But I came to Christ in a really unusual way. Some people, it slowly catches up with them. To me, it was a sledgehammer. (laughs) I'm not kidding. For me, it was a sledgehammer. I was involved in a sin in my life, and the Lord just came down in an instant and just blew me away. 
But he did it in such a loving, convicting way. Can't the Holy Spirit, he's the only one who can do that, where he can convict you to the point where you're just like flat on the ground, crying convulsively, and also shed the love of God abroad in your heart at the same time that, that you, you know you're crushed, but you know you're not forsaken. And he just comes along and he says, I know all of this about you, Rob. And you know what? I've paid the price. And you've confessed it. And guess what? I will never look upon that sin again. I will never look upon it again. You know why? Because my son, Jesus Christ, poured out his only sacrifice to atone, to take care of the penalty for that sin. Yes, which you deserve, but he took care of it. And therefore, I see you. I see him all over you. I can't even see you anymore. I see the blood of my son over you. And that is what gets me to heaven. It's what gets you to heaven. So who is Jesus? Jesus is one who loves you. You know, I've said some pretty pointed things this morning, but please understand his great love for you. There is nothing that he wouldn't do to reach you. There is nothing. There is nothing in the world that he hasn't already done to reach you. And he will continue to reach out to you. Even as a Christian, he's going to continue to reach out. He's going to continue speaking, continue wooing your heart to him. If you have not received Christ today, I want to encourage you. We're not going to have some altar call or anything like that. But would you please come up afterwards, after the baptism? Would you please come up, pray with somebody? Grab one of the elders, grab someone and pray with them and say, you know what? I'm tired of my life. I've had it. I, want, I, got, I, got, to, I got to know this one. I have to know him. Jesus said you must be born again. Not, it's a good idea. No, it's not just a good idea. It must happen. Because you know why? Because he loves you so much. He doesn't want to see you in eternal torment. He would much rather have you with him. The Bible says that he does not delight in the death of the wicked. He would much rather have you safe in his arms. A loving father is speaking that to you, your heart right now. He wants you. He wants you safe in his arms. And it's just a prayer away. Don't resist him. Come to him. Amen? Let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we do know who you are. And Lord, thank you, Lord, that you are continually revealing to us who you are. Lord, your character. Lord, your love, your compassion, Lord. It's like, an, it's like a multifaceted diamond that every single day we're seeing a different facet and we're totally blown away, Lord. And Lord, we just ask that you'd continue to work in us. Lord, continue to draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to be so willing to confess our sins to you privately. The worst things, everything, every single thing, and you said you would never leave us nor forsake us, that you would cast that sin behind your back, never to look upon it again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, there's no greater deal than that in the world, and we just thank you for it. We praise you and we love you, Jesus, and we thank you. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And the children of God said... Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.